There we go. All right. We're in the first chapter of Acts. Let's go back there. That's a kind of a brief review of what those of you who weren't here missed. Here it says, The former treatise I have made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So here, the Luke, the author of the book of Acts, and a physician, he's known as the beloved physician who traveled with Paul and knew the disciples and knew the apostles personally. And he's writing to Theophilus. I don't know who Theophilus was. He was highly respected and regarded by by Luke. And so he's writing this letter, and this is the second letter to Theophilus. The book of Luke was also written to Theophilus. So with that in mind, he says, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. He's speaking of Jesus here. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, that is, after his death, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus was teaching after he had died and rose again from the dead. For 40 days he walked with the apostles and the, and the disciples. And then those disciples, it says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of God, which, he, which said he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. That Holy Spirit of God was going to come and bless these people. And Jesus told them, don't leave Jerusalem, but stay here and wait for, for God's blessing. Now, I don't, you know, we don't know God's timing. Why did... Why was it after 40 days and then they still had to wait longer for the coming of the Holy Spirit? I don't understand. But God gave Jesus that understanding. Jesus knew. And he knew when it was going to happen at that time. Prior to that, I don't know. But, and then verse 6 it says, When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They, they were good Jews, and they said, is this, is this when it's going to happen? And they were looking for um, a different sort of kingdom. They weren't looking for the kingdom of God that Jesus was preaching, but to restore the kingdom of Israel to it, uh, the position that they felt it was rightly entitled to as God's chosen people. They thought, well, we'd be made the head rather than the tail. You know, we're, we're going to be the leaders of the world. 
But that isn't what he had in mind. And, and he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. You know, that's something we don't think about. Time is an interesting thing. I look at dinosaur tracks and I look at Clovis points, uh, people that hunted the Columbian mammoth right here in the Arkansas Valley, by the way. I found a Clovis point down near La Hunta. But I, I, have all, I have more questions and answers in regard to that. Elephants here in, in the Arkansas Valley? Yeah. Well, that's what they hunted. with the, They used an atlatl. They didn't even have the bow and arrow at that time. I don't understand a lot of things. But it's not for me to know the times nor the seasons or how God provides for the earth. And, and, what the, and this here, they were asking about the kingdom being restored to Israel. And he said, God has those things in his own power, and he does things his way. And this is Jesus talking. Now, did Jesus know? He said, no. He said, it's not, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. If it wasn't for them, it's not for us either. But we need to be ready to do God's bidding when he bids us to do what, whatever. That, that song channels only that we sang this morning. That is what we are to be. And we need to be ready in season or out of season. doesn't matter when. You know, it might be on a spur of the moment or something that's been laid on your heart for a long time. Jesus goes on, he says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This verse 8 is probably a summary. Now this is the words of Jesus, but it's a summary of the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is a, a collection of, of uh, scenarios that Luke felt was important to write down to, the, to Theophilus. Now, this is a second letter, by the way, to Theophilus. The book of Luke was written first. Now, here I am starting in the middle again instead of starting at the ends. But I guess that's just me. But... This is what God called me to, to bring for you. And uh, I don't know, the, the book of Acts is ex very interesting, and each, each chapter is a little bit different. And but yet this verse 8 here in chapter 1 tells about the Holy Ghost and its working in the church and the creation of the church. This is where the, on the day of Pentecost, that is the day when the Spirit of God came upon the church and gave it power to do miracles, to do things that were unquestionably, unquestionably the hand of God working through these people. So they were to go not only to Jerusalem and all of Judea, 
but even to Samaria of all places, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That includes Avondale, Colorado, right here. And, and God is still working. We may not have people doing miracles every day, but we are called to have a part in God's work. The church is. The church, not just anybody, but those that God gives power to. And he gives it through the church, through Jesus Christ to the church, to his church. Not to uh, all of these congregations that are, call themselves churches, but to his church. Verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, in a, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Jesus went up from the, from the earth. He ascended into heaven and was gone from their sight. And whilst they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which, said, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall also come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Now these... It says there were two men in white raiment. I'm assuming these were angels. And that's my assumption. You can say who, why? They said, why are you looking up into the sky? This same Jesus that you saw go is going to come back that way. We look forward to that. Because when he comes, he's going to bring his kingdom and establish it here on earth. Jesus personally is going to come back. And they didn't understand that at that point. And I'm not sure I understand all of it. I'm, I'm looking forward to that day, though. I, I expect Jesus to come back. And I'm, I want to see that happen. Verse 12 says, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from, mount, from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. You didn't travel far on a Sabbath day, so it was just a a short distance. And when they were come in, they went, went up into the upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. All these continued with, with one accord and supplication with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So these were the people that were assembled, and I, I'm assuming there were others that aren't even mentioned here, because on the day of Pentecost, there were about 120 people gathered there, which is not a lot of people. It's not a lot. But these were the disciples that were gathered there, and they were the most important of the apostles, of the, I'm, I'm sure all the apostles except for Judas were there. And Peter goes on here in verse 15 
And he points out, or he says, uh, we are short one apostle here. And we're going, he was guided, I believe, by the Spirit to select one more. We'll go ahead and read that. Verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of names together were about 120. So that's where we get the 120 people. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was a guide to them that took Jesus. So he says, David prophesied about Judas and his um, having his his part in the among the apostles taken away from him. It says, "For he was numbered with us, and had obtained part of the of this ministry." Now this man purchased a field with a reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out, and it was known unto all all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch that that field is called in their proper tongue a seldoma, that is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. That is his office, his, his job. Let somebody else take over for him. So that is why Peter is standing here and he says, we need to find another one to take his place. He says, verse 21, Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. So he says, that's one of the requirements. He has to be somebody that's been with us from the from the beginning, has gone in and out and and served with us. He says, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must be one must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So he's a, a witness not only of the resurrection but who had been with them from for a long time, who had been with them from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And so Peter felt called upon to, to do this. And, I, and he took a leadership role in, in serving as, in the early church. And I don't know that he was appointed by the other Apostles, I think he was appointed by Jesus to to serve in that position. Verse twenty three says, "And they appointed two, two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias." I now this Joseph called Barsabbas. Barsabbas, I'm not sure what Barsabbas means. I should have looked that up. But he was surnamed Justice. That, that was his surname. But Matthias has one name. And 
And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen. He said, he called upon God, and he said, you show how which one of these you want to be uh, put in Judas's place. Now, Judas was a man who evidently held the treasury for the apostles. They had a treasury, and, and money was put into that by people who were called upon to give. And evidently, Judas held the held the money bag or whatever. I don't know how they did that. They did their accounting in that day, but that was his job. And so these one of these two people were going to be called upon to fill that position and to be an apostle. Now this is this is the one case where an apostle was called that Jesus didn't personally call. And so they call upon God to say, which of these two men do you want to serve? And then they evidently did a, a, a voting in a way. And they drew lots, it says, and, they, and the lot fell to Matthias. And, you know, I think this gives us a, a, a picture of how we are to do we need to call upon God when we take action as a church. We need to do that so that God directs our hearts to serve him the way he would be served. You know, sometimes uh, churches and, and pastors and people who are in authority in a church, deacons, have a, a way of saying, well, we're going to do it this way. And, and everybody has to agree to it. That's not the way it was done here. And I don't think it's the way that God would have done in his churches. We are each given uh, a responsibility in the church and a place that God, God brought us here together. And we come to serve him, not to serve our own selves. And that's something that we see people doing a lot of times and and they they think they're doing God a favor by being here no we are done a favor for God to allow us to have a part to be his channels to be the people he uses to go into the world and to teach the world the by by the example that we set as Jesus lives in us we are called upon to be that to be ministers to this world that we live in. It's not just for our benefit. We come here and we are blessed. Here, when we get to sing songs of praise and, and hear the word proclaimed, but this isn't where the rubber meets the road. It's out there in the world where you meet people, where you meet people, all of us. We have a job to do. And it's only through Christ working in us that we are able to do that. And I, I'm afraid, for, for my own sake, I'm speaking for me, I'm afraid I don't do all that God would want me to. And I think that any of us can look at our lives and say, you know, and it's not for me to judge you, it's for me to judge me. 
and for me to change and for me to grow in the service of God as God works in and through me. It's not something I can do. I can't say, well, I'm going to be a better servant of God tomorrow. That ought to be my intention. But it's God that allows it to happen. And he's the one who changes me because I can't change myself. I can purpose to change, but uh, the best laid plans of mice and men often go astray. I, I hate quoting Robert Burns in this place, but that's it happens. And we, we in, have intentions. The Apostle Paul said, I, that that I would do, I do not, and, and that I would not do, I find myself doing that. But then he said, who's going to free me from this man that I am? And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. That's how, how we overcome what we are by, by our nature. How we overcome self and sin in our lives is by God directing and changing us and making us what we want to be. But God won't force us to change. He doesn't do that. He never forced us to get saved. Nobody forced you, but the Spirit of God led you and directed you. And it's only as God the Father draws us through the Holy Spirit that we are able to come together and to do anything in God's name. It's, that's the only way. Verse, uh, I'm, I'm going to read verse 23 here. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whither of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. I didn't say where he went. That, I think that's right. We need to let God be the judge of those things. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias. I, I see that as being, they each were given an opportunity to say which one they wanted, and, and the lot fell to Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. He was added to that number to make that the full 12. And I think sometimes we, we have an idea that when we vote, it's, it's a democratic thing. It shouldn't be. It should be God's Spirit directing you in, in whatever business might come before the church. And we should be in agreement. And I, I think it should usually be unanimous in our decisions. Now, I, that's my feeling. You can take that for what it's worth as you hear me speak, because I'm just a man same as any of, any of us is. And... And I feel that all too often we take things upon ourselves that aren't appropriate. 
and we think, well, I'm, I'm doing this. But it should be God doing it through us, especially when we are in the church and, and conducting church business. I, I think that's right and, and proper in, in the direction that the Scripture gives us. Are there, are there comments on any of this? I've, I've been up here rattling on, but I, I'm sure all of you have had thoughts going through your minds, and perhaps there's something that someone would like to say in regard to this, this transaction that took place here. Yes, I I agree with you. You know, we don't in I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't either. Matter of fact, I don't even know what's gone o- gone on over there in Ukraine today. I I haven't listened to the news lately since yes, well, early yesterday. And uh I I feel for the Ukrainian people. Many of them are Christians. And they're having to flee their country. They're like they were last I heard. And the men were fighting for their country, fighting for their lives, their their country. That the Ukraine is the size almost it's not the size of Russia, and they certainly don't have the power of Russia. And they're not the evil people that Putin has said they are he said they are nazis and they're terrible and they're they're doing bad things but he's he's doing the things that he's accusing them of so we don't know you know it says that there are going to be wars and rumors of wars here in the latter days and i think this is part of that Yes. And and we've seen that over the past what I know more than fifteen years, but that's it seems to be the most drastic change there. And and most of what what is, is good is spoken of as evil. I mean you see that we're viewed now even in our country, even though it's a little more passive aggressive, that we're impeding on the lives of, of others that the scripture teaches contrary to what God wants. Yes. You know, we see this, we see a lot of this happen, and I won't get to the end of the, end of the deep, deep part of that, because there's so many things you can discuss, but, you know, alternate lifestyles, things like that, that God doesn't find acceptable, that we're infringing on their freedom, on their freedom and their ability, we're judging them. No. Well, judging does happen on some of these people that claim to be Christian, but, According to the way we live our lives, according to Scripture, it's not us judging them. No. It's the Scripture that judges that, that life. 
Yes, and ultimately... We're not able to pass the sentence on stuff like that. We may think we can. Right. But the world has perverted the, the, what, is, what is good and what is right as opposed to what is evil. Yes. They flip-flopped it. doesn't mean that it changes the original meaning. But that's exactly what, what we see happening here in the current news events. Yes, and we see people changing the meaning of words and, and changing the, uh, uh, what, what do they call it, branding. Branding. Yes, and they change the brand. Well, I, I heard that was called rustling, but uh, that's, <laughs> that's, it's not what God calls us to do. Let's put it that way. And uh, they, they've, find that somebody has found found them out in one place so they just change the name of it and keep on going with doing what they were doing before and that's not what we're to do we're to speak in one name and that name only and that's Jesus living in and through and working in us we don't have power of ourselves to to do and to say this is right and that's wrong and and it's it's not for me to say. But God has God's word tells us many things. Now there are things that it doesn't speak to. And and one of them it says, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. We don't we don't have a crystal ball to look into and say, Oh, this is gonna to happen tomorrow. No. We can't do that. We can't say what I can't tell you what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. I mean, I don't know. I get up in the morning and I say, here I am, Lord. What do we do today? What, what do you have for me? And it's exciting when I find out. I get, I get to serve God today. You do too. But we need to be ready to do his will, not our own, his will in us. Any other question or thoughts? You know, I thought it was interesting as Peter presided over this assembly um, in the selecting of an acceptable successor for the Apostle Judas. I... I think it was exciting for Peter to be called upon to, you know, he was a, an outspoken person. Peter was an interesting character. He was impulsive in, at many times. You know, he was, he was the one that says, I, I'll be there for you, Lord, all the time. And Peter, or God, or Jesus said, the cock will not, crow three times this morning before you've denied me or the cock won't crow before you've denied me three times and so it, it shows us that even our best intentions might be wrong We're, we think we know ourselves know our own hearts but we need to be ready to realize that we are just humans but we are called upon to serve God his way not ours and we need his direction need his guidance and that should be what we pray for is that God would 
guide me in my life and you to call upon him to guide you in your life. It's, it's vital for us as, as God's people to do things God's way, not our own. And, and I, I feel that Peter was called upon to be a leader, even among the apostles, after Jesus died. We each have things that we're called upon to do, whether it be um, what, whatever service there may be, as, as a song leader, as a, uh, a prayer warrior. I, I'm convinced that there are those who are better at praying than I am. Much better. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I shouldn't be praying too. But there are those whose hearts are given to prayer. And that is a calling. It's a good calling. And we think, oh, being called to be a deacon or a pastor or a, a whatever, a, a treasurer, as Judas was here, he was a treasurer. But God took that away from him because of his failures, his failure to be what he should be. He became a traitor to, to Jesus. He turned him in to the Roman government of all people. But we think we know our own hearts. We, it's not my place to judge Judas. As, as Peter said here, He's let him go to his own place. You know, God knows where that is. Sometimes we become condemning of other people for their actions. You know, whether, you know, stuff we see on the news and I say, oh, this is terrible that they're doing that. Whether it's Putin or, or whoever it might be, I, I don't need to go beyond that. But we, we sometimes find ourselves being condemning of these people and it's not our place to judge God will judge them let's judge our own hearts and say am I doing right am I doing what you would have it says if uh, judge not that you be not judged is a way that is said in and sometimes we are judgmental about other people. But if we do that, we might be judged just as harshly because of the way we judged. And that's scary. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I found myself being judgmental. And it's wrong. And I'm convinced that it's wrong. And I ask the Lord to help me with my being judgmental. So, is there any, anything else that needs to be said this morning? Our time is about up. We've got a couple minutes here before 11. <laughs> if not, we'll close with that. And I thank you for your attention.
try to make that work this morning. There we go. So Luke chapter 12 this morning. Quite a lengthy reading here, about 20 or so verses. But the content is so rich here. Luke chapter 12 and verse 22 is where we'll start. It says, And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take not thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for the body and what she shall put on. The life is more important <clears throat> than meat, and the body is more important than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are you are better than the fowls? And which of you which taketh thought can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why then consider ye uh, thought for the rest? Consider the lilies and how they grow, and they toil not, and they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast in the oven, how much more will the, he clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Seek not ye that what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is, you, uh, is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags of which wax not old, a treasure in the, he in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burn. And ye yourselves look unto man that wait for the Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants who the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and shall come forth and serve them. <clears throat> and if he shall come in a second watch or come in a third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know oh, <clears throat> that if the good man of the house had known at what hour the thief come, he would have watched and have not suffered his house to be broken through. But ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye know, think not. And Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And Jesus said, Who then is faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, and give to him a portion of the meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find doing so. First, he starts off there in that passage talking about anxiety or the worries of this life. Most of us find ourselves anxious about things, don't we? Anxiousness is a, is a prevalent thought these days. Well, we have a failing economy in, our, in this world. We have instability. We have war. We have famine. We were talking about this last night, Gary and, 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 and Ed and I were. 
These things are going to happen. The Lord told us they would happen as time progressed on. But what is he what is he talking about here? Put your trust in the right spot. Put your faith in the right spot, right? He uses the example there of the ravens in verse 24. He says, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? He said, I, I provide for, for these, these ravens. And they don't have anything to store their food or, or you know, anything to, to, to harvest. But guess what? He takes care of them. Does not a master take care of his servants? They feed them, they clothe them. The servants serve the master and they are representatives of the master's household. So what's the thought here? Don't be concerned with these things. Because the Lord takes care of those things. He's our master and he is our provider. As servants of the Lord, we are tasked with being a representative for him and his kingdom. Not the other way around. Sometimes we like to think that, don't we? Our minds fail us in that. But that's not the case. In our life, it is not our, it is not our job to hoard or to be concerned with where things will come from, but trust rather that the Lord will provide these things. We worry about peace. We worry about protection and security. The peace that the Lord provides is something that transcends these things on the earth. Peace that no matter the outcome, there's something far better ahead. It may be painful and it may be difficult to get to that point, but labor is difficult and it can be sometimes painful. As my body felt this morning after we worked all day yesterday. But the point here he's trying to get them to understand is that, what do you say? But Verse 31, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. What's our what's what's the objective here? What's our what's our charge from the Lord? We are servants of the Lord. What did he tell the apostles there before he departed from them? Go out, proclaim the gospel, baptize, do these things. That's a summation of that verse there. That's our charge. Representatives of God, ambassadors for Christ. They were concerned about where these things would come from. But he's saying, oh, no. They come from me. They come from seeking the kingdom of God first. I find it interesting that he follows up verse 31 with, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He offers it to us. It does come with a price. It, it requires us to lay down our lives. We struggle with 
of course, presently, I know the big topic we talked about is 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 the the conflict over in Europe, nuclear war, those things that scare us. And I was having a conversation with someone this week. I'm scared about this, and I said, I was having a conversation with Coeur. I said, I'm not. I said, because guess what? I said I put my trust in the Lord. It may be painful and there may be things that happen, but I place my trust in the Lord. And I would hope that you would too because that's the, that's the understanding here that this passage gives. The only place that we can find comfort and solace is in the Lord. He also provides the protection and safety. May not be the protection and safety that the world understands, He says, their cell that ye have and give alms and provide bags which wax not old and the treasure in, in heavens that fell not where th neither thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. So he talked about provision on this earth. You don't worry about those things because I provide for even the ravens and the birds and the flowers and things like that. So why would he do any, any different for us? I mean, after all, he did create us with the purpose and intent of us honoring and worshiping him, didn't he? So then he says there, these things will, he says, do what you're supposed to, give alms, get rid of these things, sell these things. Why? Because the treasures that you have set up for yourselves won't be corrupted. Like, the food that we have in our refrigerators or the clothing that we have on that we have to replace every so often. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Where's our heart? Where's our attention, our focus placed? Is it on serving men or is it on serving God or self? How do we fulfill this? Placing our trust in, in the Lord. What is it that we are supposed to do as servants to fulfill this? He tells us, he gives us the recipe there. He tells us not to, not to place our trust in these things and, and to keep our attention focused on him. He says, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. Be prepared. Why? We're always on duty, even when we're not in this building. He says, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when, they they, when he will return from the wedding. And then when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. It takes a bit of work to serve the Lord, doesn't it? We are charged with being what? Accountable to all men. For what? For the hope that's in us, right? We can't do that by covering up the, the light that we have. That's not going to do us any good. 
I think about the disciples at the Garden of Gethsemane, which we talked about just a little bit ago in the psalm. But Peter was ready to chop off the guard's ear, and he did so. He was ready to defend the Lord, but the Lord didn't need to be defended. What did he do? Instead of harming his enemy further, he healed him. He put his ear back on. Being a servant means that we take care of all those who our master places his attention on. That's our enemies. That's one another. That's even leaders of the world that don't do the will of God and want to cause harm to others. What does that have to do? It says pray, pray for them. Scripture instructs us to pray for those leaders. Instructs us to pray for one another. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, but sometimes we have problems in our own midst. And when we have those problems, what do we do? We go to the Lord. We pray about those things. We share what the Lord lays on our heart to share with one another in those difficulties. Why? Because we're servant of the same God. We serve together, all those that are in the church. Iron sharpeneth iron. That's our responsibility. If the tools are all in the tool shed and you use one and you use it till it's dull and you don't sharpen it with another tool, it still stays dull, doesn't it? But if you sharpen it, it's not dulled by everyday use. It's equipped for what the user needs it to do, which is chop some, chop some limbs off a bush over here. So this is not something that's difficult. We try, to, we try to condition ourselves to believe that the scripture's difficult. It's not. These instructions were quite simple that he was giving them here. He said, Blessed are those servants whom when the Lord cometh, he shall find them find watching, being observant, what's going on around them. And he says, no matter what the time is, whether it's during the day, in the evening, at night, you know, those things, the first, second, and third watch. So you mean that it's not we come to church once a week and that's it? No. We're required to be observant all the time and to be thoroughly prepared. How do we prepare? You read the scripture and it gives you the, it gives us through prophecy and the things that's mentioned, it gives us what we need to be aware of, right? We talked about this yesterday too. And that requires us to be well aware as a servant of the Lord. So you mean to tell me we have more than than, than just one thing to do? Yes, we do. He says, to take care of one another, to don't not worry about the things of this world, and to watch. But he also con uh, con commands us to do as well. 
He says, And this know that if the good man of the house had known at what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. But be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. We continually worry, we, we hear, I always hear this, the Lord's coming back real soon. Well, yes, we know the Lord's coming back real soon. And we may not understand what time it's going to be. But we can also tell as it gets closer because those things which the scripture tells us are being fulfilled. I'm not talking about that this is, you know, specifically in scripture there's things, but the scripture speaks to these things happening. Wars and rumors of wars. You see love of many wax cold. You see these things. But our direction from the Lord doesn't change from at that point in time to now until in the future until he does return. We are to remain focused on serving the Lord. Let's look at Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10 there. Says, I marvel in verse six there. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that calleth you into the grace of Christ unto the go uh, another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And as you said before, so I say now again: if any man preach any other gospel unto you that than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet be pleased, uh, pleased men, I should not be a servant of Christ. But I do certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I received it neither of man, neither was it taught, of, taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you have heard my conversation in times past in the Jewish religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when, I, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, he called me by grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach among the heathen immediately. I conferred not with the flesh and blood, neither I went to, to, up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But the other apostles saw a none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now therefore, which I wrote unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. Afterwards, I came to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they heard only that he which persecuted us times past now preacheth the faith which is once once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. What is it that Paul did? After the Lord caused him to see the error of his ways, because Jesus had come to fulfill the law, which he so zealously persecuted, what did he do? His focus was redirected, wasn't he? 
And what did he do? He preached to those brethren who he once condemned. And he did what the Lord wanted him to do. Did he want to do it at first? No, but when the Lord struck him down, all right, you got my attention. Sometimes it takes an event like this to redirect our attention. I, I use this as an example, and I don't know how good of an example it is, but there are times when I fail as a pastor or a husband and things that I do, or I may not observe something and somebody calls it to my attention and says, hey, does that do any good? Or I think you might ought to redirect your attention over here because I may not have noticed something or may not have, have or I knew something and out of my emotion, done something I shouldn't have done or said something I shouldn't have done. And it draws me back to my, to, it draws me back to what I'm supposed to be doing. That's what a fellow servant does for a fellow servant, right? Serving the Lord. We keep each other grounded. Well, Paul knew that he didn't go to the apostles at Jerusalem, but the Lord sent him where? He sent him to Arabia, and then he went off preaching. Wow. The Lord had to prepare him to do these things because some of these people wouldn't have received him well, would they? How many times do we place barriers in our brother's way because we set ourselves up as a judge concerning these things? That's not our place. Our place is not to be judge and jury like we talked about this morning. Our place as a servant of the Lord is to be obedient. That's what Paul did. He went on doing what the Lord told him to do. And now he wasn't the judge as he thought he was, was he? But yet the Lord gave him discerning, ability to discern what was right according to Scripture and a way to do it so that the brethren were encouraged to do the right thing. The Lord doesn't want us to be a judge of the world, but he wants us to show the world that there is a better way of doing things. And that if we don't pass the test on that, that there is a judgment for that. So again, we talked about being a representative and helping one another. We're representatives one of another too. Because what I do affects you and what you do affects me. And what we do as a church individually as we go out our daily lives has an effect on those outside the church. Thus why Jesus did what he did in the garden to his enemy when he healed his ear. He said, I don't need you to fight my battle for me. Same thing he did when the disciples, we talked about a couple weeks ago when the disciples were upset, they were on the sea and the sea was raging and Jesus was sleeping in the back and he goes, wake up, we're going to die. 
what Jesus said. Oh, you have little faith. Where was their focus? It was focused on the turmoil surrounding them. They were focused on the turmoil at hand rather than focusing on Jesus walking, you know, Jesus being in the ship with them to deliver them. Same instance with Peter. Peter got caught up with the waves and what was going on. He, I'm going to sink. And it wasn't a simple just bloop. It was, he was going to sink like a rock, but Jesus pulled him back up. And what did he say? Oh, ye of little faith. A servant-master relationship as we know it is that the master provides protection for the slave. He sustains him. He keeps him. But he expects for the slave to be obedient to him in all things. And when the slave doesn't exercise faith towards the master, what happens? There's There's an action there that's not something that's not acceptable for the slave. They find it harmful. But it's to get their attention to show them, hey, you've got to do this. This is what I've told you you're supposed to do. So, where is our focus at? I know it's easy for us to be concerned and alarmed at the events of the world. But even when Jesus was getting ready to be crucified, where was his focus at? Doing the will of the Father. We have wonderful accounts that even when he was hurting, what did the, what did the other thief on the cross say? Exactly. He said, he's like, remember when you come into, come into paradise? And what did Jesus tell him? You'll be with me in paradise. So if Jesus, even when he's a threat of life and, and even dying, he was still doing what, what the Lord wanted him to do. We follow the example of Christ. And Jesus is our Lord doesn't matter what threat of life or anything do, we should still be doing the same thing that we're doing even before there was a threat against our life. It doesn't give us a pass to go, no, Lord, I'm good. Or when your brother is trying to do something and you're just standing there like a knot on a log and they're suffering all these things and you have the ability to help them. So what is our what what are we doing as servants of the Lord? Are we like the slaves that when the master comes he's going to find us not ready? We ought not to, ought not to be. We have plenty of information and plenty of things that we witness around us to be prepared for serving the Lord. Despite threat of death or reprisal for what we believe. 
or being unpopular. It's not a popularity contest. I heard a lady say the other day, we're doing uh, training at work for a new record system, and she says, there's no, po there's no bonus points for suffering. I said, boy, that's a true statement. If we're, if we're suffering, doesn't mean we're going to get a gold star for it. It just means, hey, ask for help. <laughs> Look to the one who gives the instruction. They can provide you with, with a way to ease that suffering. And it made me think about this. As servants of the Lord, we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. And we have a protection that no other person, no other people on this world enjoy. It's a different kind of protection than the world perceives it. It's a different kind of peace. It's not the peace where nothing, nothing bad happens. But as you go through it, you have an understanding of knowing that the Lord is with you. And that he has a people that is there to encourage you and strengthen you through the difficulty and a peace that you understand that no matter what happens to our physical body, in our service to the Lord, in covenant with Him, that we have a far lasting opportunity in the life to come. But we have to get there. That's what Jesus was trying to show him the way to get there. So I, I would ask you this week just to take time and reflect on what we, the things that we, we do throughout the week that cause us harm in our service to the Lord, that cause one another's harm. Don't be worried about dispensing judgment for the Lord. He needs no, nobody to do that for him. He tells us what to do, but he's the one that ministers all that. Let's just do what he charges us to do and leave the rest to him. That's all I have for you this morning. Thank you for your kind attention. I went over, over my 30-minute mark. <laughs>